Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. 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 The Holy Gospel appointed for today is from the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe, because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. This is the Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Beloved of God, grace to you and peace from God our Maker and from our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The scene is a familiar one to me the one that we find in our first reading from the book of Acts. A loved one has died at home, and those closest to her have gathered to mourn. As often happens, they begin to share stories of their friend. They remember her kindness and her generosity. Look at these clothes, I can hear them saying. Tabitha made these for me. When my husband died and I had so few resources to care for myself, Tabitha cared for me. Yes, me too, another may have chimed in. She was like that, full of compassion. Sharing memories of their friend probably helped with the grief. It often does. It is a sacred space, that space where the shadow of death mingles with the sweet memories of life of friendship and love. It is a familiar place to many of us. Someone that day remembered that Peter was in the area, in the neighboring town, so they sent word to him and asked him to come, perhaps to comfort them in their time of sadness. And what happens when Peter arrives is far less familiar to me. After kneeling and praying, Peter spoke a simple command Tabitha, get up. And miraculously, Tabitha opened her eyes and got up. No CPR, no shot of epinephrine, just prayer and a few words, and death released its grip. She stepped back into life. Her friends rejoiced. The good news spread throughout the region, 
She who had been dead was now alive. Hallelujah. But what are you supposed to do with a story like this? I know I'm no Peter, but in my experience, people don't come back from the dead in this way. It flies in the face of what we know about mortality, and not just because we are modern, enlightened, scientific people. Tabitha's friends were not expecting resurrection. They had washed her body to prepare her for a tomb. In their experience, most of the time, when people died, they stayed dead. But not in this case, not in this story. It defies expectation and explanation. In many ways, you can say this about the entire book of Acts, which we read during this Easter season. Acts defies expectation. It is not one of the Gospels, the narratives of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. It isn't one of Paul's letters directed to specific communities about specific issues they were facing. Acts stands alone among New Testament writings. It contains wonderful stories of people who had had their world turned upside down by the events of Good Friday and Easter. People's, people whose lives had been disrupted by the outpouring of God's Spirit on Pentecost. For the most part, these were ordinary people, faithful people we would recognize, people who gathered to worship and to pray, to break bread together, to sing. Like Tabitha, they tended to the needs of others. Some of them, like Peter and Paul, were gifted preachers. They traveled the region telling the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. What these ordinary people discovered time and time again was that Jesus, no longer physically present with them, was extraordinarily present in the life of their community. And not just in the miracles like the one that we read today. The risen Christ was powerfully present in the preaching and the praying and the singing and the meals and the acts of compassion and care. This post-ascension community of Jesus' followers had expected to live in his absence. What they had not expected was all the ways that he would be present, the ways that he would still be at work in them by the power of the Spirit, calling them, inspiring them, transforming them, making them brave, sending them out. They had not expected Christ to be so active. What are you going to do with a Savior who is so alive? What are you going to do with a God who won't play by death's rules, for whom death is not the final word and is not an obstacle to relationship? What are you going to do? What are we going to do with this risen Christ who just keeps showing up in our lives, who keeps calling us and inspiring us, who keeps nourishing us and sending us forth into the world to share his life. What does it mean to live in the light of the resurrection, to live as an Easter people? I think these are important questions in this Easter season. 
questions to ponder and wrestle with as we read these stories. I don't have the answers, but I can share insights from my own pondering and my own wrestling. For me to live as Easter people isn't about being perpetually happy and upbeat and dressed in pastels. I don't think Easter is a mood. To be Easter people is to live with altered expectations. It is to expect Christ to be present and not absent. Because of the resurrection and the gift of the Spirit, I expect to meet the risen Christ when I gather here with you for worship and for all the various endeavors we engage in as a community. And I also expect to meet him away from this place, and not always in the pleasant stuff. I expect to meet Christ where hearts are broken, where there is confusion and loneliness and suffering. I do not interpret these as signs that God is absent. The cross teaches me that God is powerfully present in these moments. So I expect to meet Christ in the ups and downs of daily life. This doesn't mean that I always sense his presence or that I can always point to it with certainty, but I trust it. I trust that he is walking with me, with us, along the road. To live as an Easter people, to me, means to expect resurrection. Not Tabitha style, although that would be super cool, but it means that death does not have the final word. Death in any form. Death of a relationship. Death of a hope or a dream or a plan. Death of a loved one. When death has it in its grip, it's hard to imagine anything beyond the sorrow and the fear. But God can imagine. And in the face of death, God brings life. So even though we walk through the valley of the shadow, we can trust that our shepherd is there, leading us from death to life. To live as an Easter people, a resurrection people, means that I can expect to be broken open, not just once, but again and again. When I read these stories of the early Christians, I can't help but notice how often and how dramatically the Spirit of God broke in on them, broke them open to new vision, new understandings of God. The Spirit broke through the barriers they had erected and opened them to new relationships. When you belong to a living Savior, faith cannot be a static thing. Christian faith is dynamic, changing, growing, because joined to Christ, we are always being broken open and made new. It may not be the comfortable, safe, predictable life that we desire this Easter life, but it is the life that God desires for us, the life that God shares with us in Christ the life for which we say thanks be to God.